0: by the Fire Podcast presents The Heart Speaks, written and performed by Dave Smale. Chapter 20 The Scream Yeah, go on and ask him. Keisha said, even if his daughter don't come back to the school, you know those kids want to learn from a real NBA player. Tyrone took a sip of his iced tea and winced from the bitterness. He was still getting used to this low-carbohydrate diet Keisha had started. No starch or sugar, which wasn't such a big deal. He'd stopped drinking soda and eating most junk food years ago. He missed corn and potatoes from time to time. But iced tea with no sugar? That was just criminal. I still don't know if I'll be teaching the class. The principal never told me anything. Matter of fact, when I went by her office after school to ask about it, she was already gone. Keisha laughed. Wow, baby, maybe you should look for a new job. Tyrone's eyebrows perched. The thought had crossed his mind multiple times, today alone. I can't. He started, but paused. Why not? She asked. As crass and crotchety as DiPaolo was, it was a wonder more teachers hadn't quit. But Tyrone knew why they hadn't. It's the kids, he said. Uh, I can't leave em just because I don't like the boss. Keisha smiled. I remember you saying that back when you was a cop, and you got a bad captain. Tyrone chuckled. He remembered it too. A captain had been assigned to the precinct who was unbearable to work for. More than just his temper, the man was inept, screwing up paperwork left and right and never coming to the defense of the officers under his charge when their work was questioned. Several fellow cops had gone to other precincts, other cities, or other lines of work to get away from him. Tyrone had stuck it out. Eventually the captain got promoted. That was what always happened to the bad ones, it seemed. Keisha reached across the table, gently placing her hand atop his. You a good man, Ty, she said. If you want to stick it out, you go ahead. She squeezed his hand before rising, clearing the plates from the table. Oh, don't forget, Pastor and Miss Nelda are coming over for dinner tomorrow. Oh, yeah? He said, what are we having? Fish fry. Fish fry was one of his favorite things. Normally he would have perked up at this news, but something bothered him. Wait, how you gonna do that? Ain't there flour in the batter? He asked. Nope, found a new recipe, she called from the kitchen. More than just no starch or sugar, a low-carb diet also meant no grains. And most fruits and vegetables were off the menu. Tyrone thought he'd hate it. Yet, so far, it hadn't been too bad. Lots of eggs, bacon, steak, and pork rinds, which he'd never complain about. He was eating things he'd never tried before, like mashed cauliflower in place of mashed potatoes, which he'd found were almost as tasty. Not to mention that he'd lost 10 pounds and felt better than he had in years. If he was still into taking selfies at the gym, they would have shown how much more cut he'd become. Keisha had lost another 20 pounds, and had started coming to the gym with him. She looked amazing. His phone buzzed. He fetched it from his pocket and read the screen, fully expecting another telemarketing call. Instead, it was a text message from Jerry. Yo, you home? Jerry asked. Yeah, why, what's up? Tyrone texted back. Tyrone waited, but got no answer. His mind wandered back to the school day, to Paulo's shenanigans, the class he'd substituted for, and little Skylar. There was something about her, something in her demeanor. A knock came at the door. Both Tyrone and Keisha said, you expecting somebody? In unison. Then laughed. Guess that means no, she said. I got it, Tyrone said, walking to the door. He was surprised when he looked through the peephole to find Jerry he opened the door. Greeny, Jerry said with a wide smile and wide arms. The two embraced. Man, I thought you wasn't coming by. Matter of fact, I thought you already left town, Tyrone said. Now, did you really think I would come into town and not stop by? I was messing with you, Greeny. You know me better than that. Tyrone invited him in. Hey, Jerry, Keisha called. Hey, he called back. A moment later, she emerged and gave Jerry a friendly side hug. The two men sat at the table and caught up. They spoke mostly about Jerry's new life as a world traveler. Of course, the world consisted of places he could drive to within the continental U.S. The furthest west he'd been was Oklahoma. The furthest north, Michigan. The furthest south, Florida. The furthest east, Jersey Shore. Hopefully, I'll get out to see the Rockies. Jerry said. Where's your trailer? Out front? Keisha asked from the kitchen, where she was apparently making a dessert. Huh? Oh, no. It's back at the RV park, Jerry said. Oh? Where you staying? She asked. At a KOA campground, Jerry answered. Oh, yeah, Keisha said. We've been there before. Remember, baby? Yeah, I remember, Tyrone said. They'd taken Jella Camping, When she was seven years old, it had rained and their tent leaked. Not a pleasant experience. Even more unpleasant was thinking of Jella, the one down by the Oceania naval base. Yeah, yeah, that's the one, Jerry said. How long you staying in town? Jerry pondered the question. I don't know. I mean, it's not like I have somewhere to be anytime soon. Or ever. Except duck donuts i got a date with a chocolate raspberry eclair tomorrow with 0800 sharp. A thought occurred to Tyrone. The students today had asked about Skyler's retired NBA player dad, whether he could give them some basketball lessons. Jerry was a retired cop. Maybe he could come to the class and talk to the kids about police work. Now that he thought of it, maybe Tyrone could plan out some kind of career day or even a career week. He could find various professionals to talk to his class about what it takes, supposing he still had a class in the future, or tomorrow. Tyrone told Jerry about his meeting with Darrell Thompson. Jerry looked impressed. Wow, you got to meet Darrell Thompson? Yeah, didn't even know who he was, Tyrone said. What? Jerry cried. Come on! I'm not even a basketball fan and I know who he is. What kind of brother are you? The two shared a laugh. Tyrone then told Jerry about his idea for a career day. Jerry seemed excited about the prospect. Sure, Jerry said. For you, I'd be happy to come down and talk to the kids about being a cop. Although I'm sure you could handle it just fine. Uh, I don't think the school would be all right with me talking about police work to the kids. Know what I mean? Jerry nodded, realization coming to his face. The new principal don't like me. Says she'd fire me if I screwed up at all. Anyway, I'll try to get things set up in the next week. Dad okay with you? Tyrone asked. Let me consult my schedule, Jerry said, making a show of not checking any schedule. Well, looks like I'm free. This podcast is sponsored, in part, by Fiverr. Fiverr is an online marketplace for freelance services. Click the affiliate link in the show notes. And if you purchase anything from Fiverr, you're not just supporting freelance small business owners. You're also helping to support the spreading of the gospel all around the world through Christian Fellowship Ministries, to stop human trafficking through Operation Underground Railroad, and getting Bibles and supplies to the persecuted church through Voice of the Martyrs. Fiverr, it starts here. Over time, through no direction from DePaulo, Tyrone became the default teacher of Mrs. Bunch's fifth grade class. No other substitutes or permanent teachers came, so he helped himself to the former teacher's lesson plan folder and taught the class. The students didn't mind. They all liked Mr. Bowman. Since DePaulo hadn't reinstated physical education for the rest of the school, Tyrone decided to take his class to the gym or the ball field for 30 minutes to an hour each day. Despite his new teaching duties, he had originally been hired to be the gym teacher. Therefore, he stayed after school each day to ensure the gym and the field stayed in ship shape. After her incident on the first day of school, Skyler missed the next three days. She hadn't had any incidents since that day, although Tyrone had noticed something odd about her. More than just being fragile, she was clingy, but not just to anybody, not even towards her own dad, it seemed. She was clingy toward Tyrone. It seemed as long as she was at school, she didn't want to be out of his sight. During recess and lunchtime, when every student but her left the classroom, she'd ask Tyrone to sit with her. He did, albeit at his desk. I'll be right here if you need me, Skyla, he'd say each day. His presence comforted her. He'd sometimes try to make small talk with her, but she'd stay mostly quiet, consumed with her little sketch pad. There was something about the way she looked at him. It was eerie and sweet at the same time. If she wasn't drawing, she was staring at him. After more than two weeks of it, he gave up trying to figure her out. He guessed. She wanted to be around him in case she had another episode. He'd gotten her to the school nurse safely last time. But the staring? Perhaps he was more than just her insurance policy. Maybe he was her hero. It took Tyrone three weeks to cobble together five professionals for his career-week brainchild. He scheduled a civil engineer, an insurance adjuster, a veterinarian, a police officer, Jerry, and, of course, an NBA legend, the last of whom had only one stipulation, no press. Days one and two, the engineer and the adjuster had been relatively innocuous. Students hadn't been too interested in the seemingly mundane fields, or at least they hadn't been wowed by the professionals' presentations. He began to think career week was a total dud, But the veterinarian was another matter. Dr. Vanessa was incredibly interesting, and she brought three assistants with her, one human and two rats. The students had showered the vet with a slew of questions ranging from, how much money do you make, to, have you ever had to look at an animal's butt? Before Tyrone could react and let the students know the question was inappropriate, Dr. Vanessa said, yep, an elephant. After the initial roar of laughter, the doctor brought on another when she said, that was a bad day. He was constipated. The rest of that day had been wild. Being Thursday, it was police officer day of career week. Though he clearly wasn't happy being delayed three weeks, Jerry kept his promise to come. He arrived during lunch carrying a bag which contained a small display of his visual aids, items he'd been allowed to keep after his retirement, his badge, a set of handcuffs, a taser, and of course, a duck donut. Tyrone met him in the parking lot since he had to go that direction anyway. Schuyler had asked to go to the nurse again. She looked more tired than usual today. After Jerry set up his display, Tyrone went over the basic outline of how career week events had been going. Take all the time you need, he said. Tell them whatever you want. Then you can take questions. If there's time left, you can give a demo of the cuffs. Just the cuffs? Not the taser? Jerry asked, smiling. Only if you want to get yourself arrested, Tyrone replied. Maybe I could demonstrate it on you. I'm sure they would get a rise out of em They both laughed. Tyrone shook his head. Tell you what, Tyrone said, crossing the room and retrieving an easel that never got used. Think you could hit this thing? Jerry gasped, feigning offense. I'm insulted, Greeny, he said. Who do you think you're talking to? The students shuffled in from lunch, chatting excitedly while finding their seats. Tyrone introduced retired detective Jerry Stills, conveniently leaving out the part about them being former partners. Jerry gave a glowing dissertation about police work, the necessity of it, the requisite toughness, And the honor of serving and protecting. He interspersed his impeccable humor, some of which the students got, while some went over their heads. All in all, Tyrone was impressed with the speech. It made him miss being a cop. Afterward, Jerry fielded several questions, handily answering each, mostly rudimentary in nature. Do you carry a gun? Have you ever had to arrest anyone? One student asked, do police really eat a lot of donuts? Not all of them. But I can assure you, this one, he gestured to himself, definitely does. Matter of fact, I'm glad you asked. Observe. He pulled a donut from his bag of visual aids. I'm from Joysey, so I like maple bars the best. But they're hard to find around here. I usually settle for my good friend the Raspberry-Filled he said before taking a bite. Jerry made a show of enjoying the donut immensely, even saying, oh, where have you been all my life? Several students laughed. Tyrone smiled and shook his head. Another student said, detective Stills, do I have to be as big as you to be a police officer? Jerry broke into belly laughter, his massive gut jiggling. Nope. But if you are lucky enough to get to my size, you can also get a night job as a mall Santa Claus. More laughter. After a few more questions, Tyrone said they needed to wrap it up. Jerry reached into his goodie bag and held up the handcuffs. Okay, so who wants to get arrested? Not surprisingly, no one raised their hands. Come on, Jerry said. I won't put it on your permanent record. And I promise to unlock the handcuffs next time I see you. The students laughed, then a few of the boys raised their hands. Jerry demonstrated how to properly perform an arrest on a suspect, although he had a bit of trouble due to the limited size of the perps. He tightened the cuffs just enough to ensure that the boys would remember the feeling and hopefully never want to feel it again. He asked if any females would like to volunteer but had no takers. One little girl asked if he was going to demonstrate the taser. Huh! I thought you'd never ask, Jerry said. He picked it up and pressed the trigger, discharging the probes and delivering the signature taser electro-pop sound. The probes stuck into the easel, the electricity producing smoke. After only two seconds, Jerry released the trigger. Now, just imagine that was your skin. Not a pretty picture, can we all agree? Several students cringed. When this bad boy zaps... I've seen the meanest, toughest criminals pee their pants, or worse. The class erupted in laughter. At that point, Tyrone noticed the clock. It was nearing 3 p.m. when the bell would ring. Aye, Tyrone said. That was a great presentation, right everyone? The students resounded with enthusiasm, during which Schuyler walked back into the classroom, guided by Nurse Bubbles. Not wanting to draw attention to her, he continued, Class, let's all say a big thank you to Detective Stills, okay? On the count of three. One, two... The ear-shattering scream came from out of nowhere. The high-pitched shriek continued unabated for several seconds. Nearly everyone's hands went to their ears as they searched for the source. Covering his ears and scanning the students, Tyrone's eyes fell on Skyler, whose mouth was agape. Her expression registered terror like Tyrone had never seen before. Nurse Bubble stood behind Skylar, hands pressed over her own ears. Tyrone witnessed the next events in slow motion. Skylar's eyes rolled back. The scream stopped abruptly. He dashed for her as she collapsed. Thanks for listening to The Heart Speaks. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to leave me a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. I'll be back next week with another chapter. Until then, God bless and thank you.